This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Swarmcast. David Eichel here as we continue our opponent opponent preview series. And very, very happy that we have Michigan insider Alejandro Zuniga with us today uh, to give us a scoop on the Wolverines' high-powered offense and everything else. So, Alejandro, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Welcome aboard. Thank you. It's, uh, I'm excited to be here, excited to be going back to Iowa City. Uh, went in 2016, had a great time, and can't wait to go back. Yeah, so I guess let's just start from the very top about this Michigan team. Obviously, they lost a lot of talent uh, to the NFL draft. Obviously, David Ojaba and um, Aiden Hutchinson, who's off to a tremendous start with the Detroit Lions. What a perfect spot for him. Just makes all the sense in the world, right? But it really seems like it's lock and reloaded for this team. I really like J.J. McCarthy as a starting quarterback. But just start with your general overview of this team through the first few games of the season. I know the competition level hasn't exactly been there yet, I'm sure you can still take away a few things. Yeah, I, I think that's what you just mentioned is exactly the right way to put it, is that there's a lot we still don't know about the Michigan football team. I mean, they opened with Colorado State, followed that up with Hawaii, and then faced UConn in their non-conference. That's probably that's three of the worst teams uh, in, in college football, and they certainly looked the part against Michigan. <laughs> Uh, I, I think from a reloading perspective, I think the offense is, is really the area that Michigan fans and the program were most excited about. Uh, because really, when you look at everything Michigan had last year, pretty much every major contributor to the offense last year, save for Hassan Haskins, the running back, came back. Uh, and even the offensive line, which won the Joe Moore Award last year as the nation's best, they upgraded in a way, you know, they, they lost their center, but replaced them with a Remington trophy finalist who transferred in from Virginia. That's Olu Olutimi, uh, and then brought back Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy at quarterback. Uh, JJ McCarthy ultimately won that job and he'll be starting on Saturday. Uh, so, so the offensive side of the ball is where there is the most excitement. Uh, offenses was one of the highest scoring in the country through three games Struggled a little bit last week against Maryland. Uh, and, and then the question marks are really on the defensive side. I mean, you just mentioned uh, David Ojabo uh, and Aiden Hutchinson. I'm going to add in there as well, Daxton Hill out of the secondary. Uh, that's three top 50 NFL draft picks uh, that they lost. And similar to that, you know, that level of competition question, the, there are still questions about the defense uh, and particularly in the pass rush. I mean, you, you lose two of the best pass, rush, pass rushers in college football. You don't expect that to go off, uh, you know, to, to follow that up without, without missing a beat. 
so there are still questions, especially in the front seven uh, with the defensive line, the edge rushers uh, and the linebackers. Uh, but I think there were encouraging signs against Maryland, particularly in the secondary. Uh, so I think overall, this is a, a top five program in the AP rankings. And I think while there are still question marks, this is a program that could certainly be contending for a Big Ten title. Yeah, you know, I look at J.J. McCarthy, and first of all, first and foremost, I don't think people realize he is a tremendous kid. I mean, he's probably one of the most well-grounded prospects I've talked to throughout the recruiting process. He seems to have translated that all the way to Michigan's already making a big impact in their community. So I do want to make sure people understand that. I mean, he, he's been a very good ambassador for that program. But, you know, before young McCarthy a little bit, Blake Corum really just intrigues me as a running back. Incredibly impressive. I believe he had a big run against Iowa in the Big Ten Championship, and that was when he was only about 75 or 80% healthy. But what makes him such a dangerous back? I mean, it just seems like I think he's fresh off the Dilk Walker Running Back of the Week award as well. But just what makes him so dangerous? Yeah, I, that, that's exactly right. And uh, I, I think Iowa fans got a taste of what Michigan's offense looks like in that Big Ten championship game. Uh, that was like a 65-yard touchdown run that Quorum had. Uh, and the guy who was right there with him at the end blocking for him was J.J. McCarthy. Uh, so that gives you an idea of, uh, A, J.J. McCarthy's ability on the ground, uh, and B, also Blake Quorum's. Uh, I think where he stands out the most and, and he's, you know, he, he played significantly last year. In fact, he was Michigan's leading rusher uh, until he suffered that ankle injury uh, in early November and got back to 80, 90% uh, by the big 10 championship game. Uh, he maximizes yards very, very well. And what I mean by that is that he uh, even more than just the play call, he can see what a defense is offering him he can see where the lane might be before it opens up and he can cut with the best of them. Uh, Jim Harbaugh said this week that, you know, he's been around a lot of some of the best running backs in college football and in NFL history, given, given his background. And one of the traits that they have that Blake Corum also has is the ability to make a cut when you're so close to the defender that he can smell your breath is the way he put it. Uh, and he did that a couple times, uh, a few times last week against Maryland. Uh, there were actually a couple situations, one where Michigan was in fourth and inches and hurried up to the line. Another where it was third and short uh, and they got up to the line. And both times it was runs up the middle that Corm was able to, to bounce outside and then use his speed uh, to make his way to the end zone. The one other thing I have to mention with him is he put on, 10, 11 pounds in the off season, you know, I, Michigan, really the only piece they lost from the offense or the most significant was Hassan Haskins, who was a big bruising running back. Uh, and Corum in the game against Maryland last week showed he can do that as well. You know, that's maybe not his forte, you know, he's smaller, uh, but he is plenty strong. He carried the rock 30 times. Uh, that's not something you see very much in college football these days anymore and he was able to, to pick up those short yardage situations uh, when Michigan needed him to you know this might be too easy of a comparison I think he's a thicker Darren Sproles <laughs> I mean because Darren Sproles is 5'6 195 and Corm I think is 5'8 210 but just his lower body and the strength that he carries with it I mean that's what really impresses me I mean he's 5'8 but people just bounce you see 230 pound guys bounce off him and it really is incredible 
Uh, JJ McCarthy. I, I think Cade McNamara is a very good quarterback. I think McCarthy's obviously just has the higher ceiling. I think he fits more with what Harbaugh and Michigan wants to do. But again, the competition level has been great. I think this is McCarthy's first, this could be his first road start as starting quarterback. I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if you guys have been able to talk to him yet, but what's kind of his mindset going into Kinnick Stadium? I mean, obviously he's been on, you know, he's been in big games before. He played for a premier high school program. He's had the nation basically, every offers from everybody in the nation. I think Iowa offered him, and that last interest probably lasted about four and a half seconds before he said, <laughs> hey, you know, it might not be my system. Uh, but what, what's the kind of vibe you're getting around the facility, I guess, before uh, McCarthy does make his first road start? Yeah, I, I think when you're talking about J.J. McCarthy, you're right to say that, I mean, it's it's true. It's objectively true that this is his first road start and that he hasn't uh, really been the starting quarterback that long. I mean, he uh, he started the second game of the season and, and has started since then. Uh, Cade McNamara, it must be said, suffered an injury a couple games ago. He's still out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so So it kind of is J.J.'s now. I mean, he earned the starting job and and keeps it uh, both through his performances and because the backup is hurt. Um, but it must be said, JJ played plenty last year. He played in 11 games last season, uh, including in very high leverage situations. Uh, Michigan put him put him in a lot against Michigan State on the road. Uh, they obviously they put him in in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, he actually played the majority of the second half of this of the college football playoff. Uh, against Georgia. Uh, So he's played in high leverage situations. Um, The one thing with him that, that we just talked to offensive coordinator Matt Weiss with about today is that that game against Maryland last week was the first full game he's played in college. You know, even in the non-conference games this season, you know, Michigan was playing Hawaii. They were up a lot to nothing at (laughs) halftime. I don't even remember the score, but it was, you know, with that uh, and with UConn, like it was, it was not an adequate level of competition. And it meant that JJ was out of there after, you know, five very quick series that all ended in touchdowns. So I think that's where kind of the concern comes in is that when we saw, when we saw him last week against Maryland, he played pretty well, uh, but he also, continued making some of the mistakes that that show that he is still a young quarterback you know there was one series where he fumbled the ball twice and and thankfully for Michigan they were able to recover both of them there was a series later in the game where you know he he took a deep shot that he underthrew and a defender stepped in front of it and I'm not quite sure how he didn't get a foot in bounds Uh, he didn't so it wasn't an interception but he made those sort of mistakes that I know the Michigan coaching staff is drilling into him. Like you cannot do this against Iowa because a Iowa will capitalize on it and b like the, the opportunities for scoring drives are going to be fewer and further between. Uh, So I think what you said earlier was exactly right. Is that JJ McCarthy is certainly a higher ceiling uh, than Cade McNamara was just the physical tools are there. He can run, he can hit any throw on the field, uh, but he is relatively new at, you know, this is my start. This is my team and they're going to need me for all four quarters. So I know you've gotten the chance to dive into Iowa at least a little bit. I mean, it's, you, you almost couldn't find a more polar opposite team. And it's, it's hilarious because Iowa's ranked one scoring defense. 
I think Iowa has a very strong defensive line, which I don't think people talked enough about because obviously, because of, you know, they have Jack Campbell, they have an experienced linebacking core, the secondary, obviously with Phil Parker, 94 interceptions since the start of 2017, 14 more than the second place team, which I believe is Appalachian state Alabama's right there as well. But just diving in the matchup a little bit before we flip to the Michigan defense, what are you sort of looking for from this Michigan offense or what kind of intrigues you about going up against Iowa's defense? Yeah, a lot intrigues me, honestly. Like this is strength versus strength, like you just said. Michigan's offense uh, theoretically has has playmakers all across the board, uh, starting with the offensive line, at quarterback play, a really deep set of wide receivers. Uh, I think – one matchup thing that I'm very curious about uh, is to see how Michigan uses its, its quick screen game. Uh, that's something we didn't really see them do a whole lot against Maryland. And I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not really sure why, uh, because it worked so well. I mean, everything worked so well against, <laughs> against the Yukons and, uh, and yeah. Colorado States and, you know, but, but Michigan has the athletes where, where you'd think that if, if they can, you know, throw a quick flare out to a Roman Wilson who runs like a four, three, five, like that, that's the sort of thing that it doesn't matter if it's Maryland or Iowa or Hawaii, like that's going to stretch a defense and that's going to create matchup issues. Uh, one other one, uh, one other potential matchup issue that I want to throw out is Donovan Edwards. Um, another name uh, that Iowa fans should be familiar with. He's the, the running back who threw the touchdown uh, in the Big Ten championship game last year. He's been out for the last couple of weeks. Uh, he suffered, I believe it was an ankle injury uh, against Hawaii, but he's a guy that I think Michigan will have back this week. Uh, Michigan is notoriously bad with, with yeah. updating injury information, uh, but it seems like he could be back this week. And he's a guy that, you know, not only is he a good backup to Blake Corum, like he's a very good running back in his own right, uh, but he can be a significant threat out of the backfield, say on wheel routes or dump offs. Uh, and he's the sort of player that Michigan will actually line him up as a wide receiver and really take advantage of any matchup discrepancy you can get with a linebacker. Uh, so, so I think those are some of the pieces I'm looking at, like Michigan. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. I think they're gonna play a little bit more conservative. Uh, because they know that turnovers against Iowa are how the Hawkeyes could win this game. Uh, so I think they're going to play a little bit more conservative in that regard. Uh, with that being said, though, I think one of the ways you can do that and still move the ball is by, you know, quick screens and, and getting someone like a Donovan Edwards 
out of the backfield where he has a, a matchup advantage against a linebacker. Yeah, that quick screen game, that's a really intriguing point because I think I've over the years I've seen Iowa either A, pounce on those quick screens because it is a risky play when just because of the way Phil Parker coaches his defense. Like if they read it, he trusts them to go make the instinct and the big play. I mean, Riley Moss, I think, was better last year, but, I, you know, he's off to a, kind of a rough start, I think, this year. Cooper DeGene, I think, is really starting to get his name known around the Big Ten, and he plays about three or four different positions for being a true sophomore from 1A Iowa high school football, which is ridiculous. But I've also seen at the same time, if Iowa can't read those quick screens, athletic teams beat Iowa around the edge. As good as Iowa's scheme is, Iowa generally doesn't have the athletes that like an Ohio State or a Michigan has, and I think that's cost them in some big games over the years. Um, flipping over the other side of the ball, I I was very I was very surprised that Maryland stuck with Michigan last week. I know Maryland is notorious for having a great passing offense. They got big body receivers, but it really didn't seem like their passing game was working that well last week. I thought they would have taken some more deep shots, so. I guess what's the, I hate general questions, but the overview of this Michigan defense, where's it at? Where are they excelling? And I I mean, I think Iowa is worried about uh, the defensive tackle, 350 pounds. I wish I could remember his name. Yeah, uh, that would be Mozzie Smith. Mozzie Smith. I believe uh, Kirk Ferentz called him a refrigerator that moves. Yeah, I was just about Uh, to So I think. Yeah, there's a joke in there somewhere about, you know, the prank phone call, like is, is your refrigerator running? Well, you better catch Jim Harbaugh it. is a joke in there saying, somewhere. Hell yeah, he's running. He's running right your quarterback, dude. There you go. <laughs> uh, get back to this, though. Just with, with this Michigan defense, where are they at? What have you seen that maybe is a cause for concern? Because, look, I mean, you can't sugarcoat Iowa's offense. Iowa's offense right now is unproductive. I think they have – I think Iowa has a decent amount of talent on offense. I think it's a combination of scheme and just other issues and health. I mean, Iowa just genuinely – generally has not been healthy, a healthy team this year, but uh, give us your analysis of this Michigan defense. Yeah. So, so Michigan defense uh, it's a first year defensive coordinator. I think you got to start with that. Uh, it's Jesse Minter who, who uh, Michigan hired from Vanderbilt. Um, he replaced Mike McDonald, uh, both of them. Mike McDonald now is, is with the Baltimore Ravens and both of them come from the Ravens coaching tree. Uh, so I think there has been continuity there. Uh, so that has made the transition a lot easier. But as, as we talked about earlier um, on, on this episode, uh, you're replacing uh, David Ajabo, Aiden Hutchinson, Daxton Hill, and even, you know, one of your more veteran linebackers in Josh Ross. Yeah. Uh, so, you, so Michigan replaced leaders on every level of its defense. Uh, and that's where I think there were a lot of questions coming in. Uh, now we've talked about the level of competition. You just touched on the Maryland game a little bit. I think where, where Michigan has answered those questions in, in very positive ways is with its secondary. Um, the, one of the biggest questions going in is, Hey, who, who replaces that Daxton Hill role? Uh, you know, that guy who is so athletic that you can put him on an Island on one side of the field and know that he can take away like a whole half of the field. Uh, and, and I don't think there's any single guy who replaces him uh, of that level of coverage ability and athleticism, but someone who's really stood out uh, is Mike Sainer still, uh, who was a wide receiver last year, was a wide receiver throughout his three previous years at Michigan and switched over to be a, a nickel safety. 
uh, nickel corner and has looked fantastic. Uh, he's number zero on the defense. Uh, he looks like he's been doing this, this whole, like his whole life. And to be fair to him, he was recruited kind of as a two-way player, both, both by Michigan, Virginia tech and others. Uh, but he's really switched back over into defense and looks like he does not look like a converted wide receiver. Uh, so I think that between him uh, and the other corners and safeties, really no concerns there. Um, Michigan, as you mentioned, looked good in the secondary against Maryland. And that's, you know, all things being equal, a much better offensive attack and aerial attack than Iowa and most of the rest of the Big Ten for that matter. Um yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's it's been interesting because I've tried to watch every Michigan game. I mean, look, they're a big brand. I, I I enjoy watching J.J. McCarthy play football. He's probably one of my favorite players to watch in the country. He is. And again, great kid. I'm a big fan of him from a pure football standpoint as well. But it's very early. But I know this question has been tossed around. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Could this Michigan team be better than last year's team? I know they don't have as much star power as last year, especially obviously Aiden Hutchinson who for, for all intents and purposes, I would have voted for to win the Heisman. I thought he was phenomenal. I think he had a very strong case to win it. I don't know if a defensive player will ever win it again if Aiden Hutchinson didn't win it. Um, but I, I was just curious where your kind of thoughts are. Again, it's too early to take some things away, but the potential of this team, I still don't think it's too early to talk about that. Yeah, I, I think the ceiling is there. I think Michigan – I think Michigan probably hit its ceiling last year uh, and, and we saw where that got them. I mean, it got them a win over Ohio state, uh, which was, you know, a long time coming. It got them uh, a resounding win in the big 10 championship game, but then it also got them exposed against Georgia in the college football playoff. Like that game, that game was not close and it was not close from very early on. I think this year's team has a higher ceiling And I think that starts with JJ McCarthy and with everything that's returning in the offense. Like the offense can be significantly more dynamic, can be much more explosive. uh, And it has the sort of playmakers in a a Blake Corum, a JJ McCarthy and a Donovan Edwards to make the sort of game-changing plays that you need when you're going up against, you know, your Alabama's, your, you know, your Georgia's and, you know, your Iowa's on the road at Kinnick where Michigan hasn't won since 2005. Yeah. You know, the, the questions and what, what I think holds back this team uh, from reaching that level right now uh, is number one, the pass rush where we just talked to Mozzie Smith, the, the refrigerator on wheels outside of him, you know, the, the defensive tackles are very, very solid edge rushers, are still a question mark. And that was a problem against Maryland, uh, against Talia Tungavailoa, who is a very mobile quarterback and, you know, can hit throws and, and can escape and can, can hurt you with his legs. Uh, but his, you know, his uniform was clean. It was spotless after the first half. Like he had not been hit. He had not been pushed to the ground. Uh, he was a little too comfortable back there. Uh, so I think that the pass rush is one concern. I think the linebacker level is another. Uh, Michigan has has been playing this season without Nikai Hill Green, uh, who would be who came into the season as an expected starter. He's had a soft tissue injury that has lingered a lot longer than uh, than I think Michigan Michigan's coaching staff made it seem like he would be out. 
Uh, so, so those are some of the question marks where on the defensive side, Michigan hasn't yet answered them. And, you know, this could, this game could be one, you know, you're not facing the best offense in the world in Iowa, but you, it is a game where every possession is going to matter and every yard, even if you're forcing a punt from the, you know, from the 20 yard line, instead of the 35, that's going to make a big difference. Say one of the things that I think could make a big difference for Iowa is I mean Tory Taylor for I I think Tory Taylor's best punter in America statistically the way he's able to be he's literally a twelfth defender for Iowa because the positions he puts himself he puts the defense in and I think a big key to this game which is where I kind of want to flip to is if Iowa gets Michigan backed up in that north end zone Iowa is notorious that crowd noise since they redid the North Stadium is loud I've been on the field for some big games and a lot of different stadiums, you know, obviously I'll be called biased for it, but Kinnick stadium is the loudest stadium I've ever been a part of. Now I haven't been to Beaver stadium. I've heard that one's insane. Uh, but that North end zone, I mean, Iowa forced nine false starts in the North end zone in two games. The first two games of the season, they went viral for forcing three straight false starts against Penn state last year when they got in that North end zone granite. Uh, Sean Clifford was out when that happens. So I think that's obviously a case as well, but let me get your breakdown of a couple keys to the game. Then we'll flip over to the prediction at the end, but what are you kind of saying Michigan has to hit or what has to happen for Michigan to escape? I'll say escape Kinnick stadium, just because Iowa is five and one against their last six opponents, top six, top five opponents inside Kinnick stadium. The only loss was against Penn state when Saquon Barkley had one of the most ridiculous games I've ever seen. In person, I think they Trace McSorley threw a touchdown on fourth and goal as time expired to win the game. Then he went viral for punting the ball into the crowd, which uh, really ticked off the Kinnick faithful. I'll say I, I don't remember. I remember that game. I don't remember the punt into the crowd. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, hey, I was there. I was there in 2016, right? I was there for for that for that upset. Uh, you know, you, you asked Jim Harbaugh. He was the quarterback in 1985 uh, when. Uh, when it was a similar going yeah. to Kinnick and, and lose on a, a, a walk-off field goal, I believe it was back then too. Uh, so I, I think the, the Michigan football team has been very clear on what their goals are this game uh, in, in ways that are maybe more clear than they are usually. Uh, number one is you can't turn the ball over. And that's, that's absolutely the case. Um, number two is defend the run. Uh, if Michigan can can stop the run and force Spencer Petrus into second and long, third and long, uh, where you can bring in your your Yabioki, who's a, a former five star, played at Alabama, transferred to the Michigan football team in mid August, and you know he hasn't picked up the full playbook yet, but you put him in in, in third and ten and say, hey, go get the quarterback. Uh, he can do that. Uh, so, so I think those are the two biggest keys. I you're right. It's, this is, it's a lot of fun to see kind of the, the gamesmanship and kind of the, the phase of the game that, that isn't talked about quite as much in the special teams. Uh, Cause Michigan, I think Michigan would argue that their special teams are right up there on par with Iowa's. Uh, I think that'll be a key to the game as well. I mean, Michigan has uh, a very good punter in Brad Robbins, yeah. a very good field goal kicker in Jake Moody. Uh, we saw in the Big Ten championship game last year, you know, they blocked an Iowa punt. Uh, so, so, and even this year, they blocked a punt. They've gotten a punt return for a touchdown from A.J. Henning. So, so I think 
I think Michigan feels good about being able to go toe to toe or close to it with Iowa special teams. I really do think it goes down to basics of, you know, this is going to be a grinded out sort of game. So if, if we can avoid turning the ball over as Michigan's offense, if we can stop the run and force Spencer Petras to make some throws, beat us through the air, throw into that secondary that looked so good against Maryland uh, that I think Michigan feels pretty good about its chances. I was going to say for Iowa, I mean, Iowa special teams coordinator, LeVar Woods, it's amazing. They loves Iowa so much. Cause that dude, I, I know for a fact has turned down head coaching jobs and I, I would give him the vote of confidence to eventually take over for Kirk Ferentz. I think he's one of the more underrated coordinators just across America in general. Uh, with that being said, give me, give me your final prediction and give me a, give me a reason why you, uh, you believe the result's going to be whatever you're about to predict. Man, I, I, I've been wavering on this game since, you know, like February, because <laughs> like I, you looked at this Michigan football schedule and it was like, where, where do you see the losses here? Right. And that can certainly be like a little bit of maze colored glasses sort of thing where, where you just expect everything that worked last year to keep working and everything that didn't work quite so well to get better this year. But this Iowa game was the one where you just knew it was going to be the biggest challenge. I've still wavered on it this week. I think Michigan comes out on top. Uh, so I think I, I said in, I think I said my prediction to, to Sean, your coworker, 17 to 10 Michigan wins. The reason I say that is because I watched Iowa face Rutgers and face, you know, South Dakota state and Iowa state. And I saw them not really move the ball. Uh, I think this is the best defense that, that I was going to have yep. faced to this point this year. I also think this is the best offense that the Iowa is going to have faced this year. Um, I think, I think JJ McCarthy is a young quarterback, uh, but what he can do is what is most dangerous to the Iowa defense. And that is, you know, sit back in the pocket and use his legs when he absolutely needs to, to pick up first downs. And I just think that Michigan has too much talent across the board. Um, Not that they're going to blow a game open, uh, but that, you know, I, I think that last year's 42 to three in the big 10 championship game is very overstated. Like that game was a lot closer than the, the scoreline made it look, but this year's Michigan football team has enough weapons on the offense that they're going to score a couple touchdowns. I do think as well. I mean, I knew Iowa was in trouble in that big 10 championship when Caleb Shudak missed the field goal because Iowa tried that trick play to score a touchdown. And I'm not saying Iowa wins, but when you're at it, it was when, open. when your crutch falls through and breaks, I think psychologically it just can break you down. And Iowa's safety net was its field goal kicking last year. Caleb Shudak was phenomenal, but you know, I think that's pretty level-headed. I, I'm almost in the same boat as you. I, I preseason, I did predict Iowa to beat Michigan. Uh, I thought Iowa's offense would not be the 131st ranked in the country. The big reason why, uh, but just based on what I've seen on the field, I can't see Iowa doing it, but I also said back in that 2016 game that I was in college still and on my radio show, I said, Michigan's Michigan's going to have more points than Iowa does yards in that game. And that did not, did not age the best, but uh, Hey man, Alejandro, I really appreciate the time, man. Uh, thanks for giving our listeners and my subscribers a taste of Michigan. And, you know, here's hoping it's just a fun game. I know, it's been a trying time, I think, for Iowa fans to start the season. I mean, they're three and one, and Iowa State did everything to try to lose that game, but Iowa did not deserve that game whatsoever. But uh, 
Yeah, I guess with J.J. McCarthy, the thing about him, too, is, you know, if he doesn't get rattled and he doesn't strike me as a guy to get rattled, it's, uh, it's going to be a different kind of shootout, but I do think it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I know Iowa City is looking forward to uh, welcoming you back as well since it's your first trip to Iowa State back in 2016. So, Alejandro, again, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah, this is what college football is all about. It's going to be a blast. David Eichel, Alejandro Zuniga for 24-7 Sports. Talk to you soon. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.